Our mission at Resonate Church is to amplify His voice, demonstrate His love, and expand His kingdom. If you're looking for the full video version of this message, you can find it on our YouTube channel or Facebook page at Resonate Church. This week we have Hannah Van Wagner continuing her message from two weeks ago. Her message this week is called Faith Works by Love, and she explains how the level of faith you develop is directly related to the level of intimacy you share with God. I hope you enjoy the message, and if you do, please be sure to let us know by leaving a like and subscribing to our podcast. Well, good morning, Resonate. I think you came to the right service today. Thank you for coming out on this lovely Daylight Saving Time Sunday. I learned this morning that it's one thing to teach on a Sunday morning with two children to get ready and pack up and go. It's a whole other thing to do it on Daylight Savings Time. So, um, but we're going to have fun today because the Lord has a lot for us. Um, again, Pastor and Colleen are on their way to Florida. We're so blessed by them, and I wanted to give a shout out to them. Thank you guys for all that you do, and can I remind you guys to be praying over them this week? Um, this is a time of refreshing, a time of, of um, peace for them to get their thoughts on alignment, and the Lord always speaks um, to them. So be praying over them this week, okay? Sound good? Okay, so um, my message for you today is faith works by love. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a modge podge of different things. It's going to be, it's designed to be a continuation of my message from two weeks ago. Um, if you were here, anybody remember vaguely what I taught two weeks ago? <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. It's different because normally if I'm up here, it's been like four months. So it's kind of fun to have like a two-part message. I've never done that on a Sunday. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of a two-part, but I've also, if you've noticed anything, we're also doing Bible study, and in Bible study we're doing not by sight, and it's all on faith. So it's love and faith all in one message, and God help me, we're going to do it justice to some degree because the study is six weeks, and I'm going to have self-control and not spill all six weeks' worth of information on you. Um, so let's, let's actually start with prayer, um, if you would. Let's, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I give you this time, and I pray, Lord, that right now your Holy Spirit would fall. Lord, I pray that it would open the eyes of revelation. It would open the eyes of our heart to see you in a new way, to know you anew, um, and that we would encounter your love so deeply, Father, that it would take us to new levels, new levels of intimacy and new levels of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So my message is faith works by love. Um, faith works by love. This is what you need to understand. If I'm, I want to give you a little bit of a, um, a recap. If you weren't here two weeks ago, um, I did a message called His Full Invitation. And the premise of this, of this message was simply that the Lord has invited us to more than we are actually partaking in. Um, and it's, it's hard, like honestly, we will never encounter the full depth of the relationship he's invited us to. But I tried to bring just a little bit of clarity that when, when he says, I've invited you into relationship, to compare that invitation to one human connection falls far short of what the Lord wants to have with you. Um, because every human connection has a limitation of some kind. Fair? 
Um, so he has invited you um, to be slave. Um, he wants to be the Lord of your life, and he wants to purchase you out of slavery to sin. So he's inviting you into his household as slave. And then he says, I don't want that, just that with you. I want to be your friend. And I want, you, I want to adopt you as my son. I want to be your father. And then I want to be your lover. All of these, invita- all of these um, relational connections have boundaries, but the Lord doesn't desire that with you. He wants to have um, full intimacy with you, and he's invited you to something far deeper than anything that any of us truly have encountered. The Lord is constantly calling me deeper, so I know he's calling you deeper. Um, but I ended this message with, um, we need to respond. When there's been an invitation, there needs to be a response to that invitation. Okay, anybody get like, you send out like invitations and you're waiting for the responses? Anybody, you know, you know what I mean? Like you're sitting there like, well, you just RSVP. I mean, especially when you're doing it on Facebook now, you're like, you just have to click a button, guys. Just click the button. I just need to know if you're coming or if you're not. So I know how much food to make. I know where if I have enough room in my house. You know what I mean? We just want to know there, whenever there's an invitation, there needs to be a response. And so what I want to get into is that the, the only natural true response, if we truly encounter love, the only true response is faith. We need to be walking in faith. And, and I want to explain to you why that is. Because um, if we don't understand what faith is, that doesn't really make sense. But faith... Um, it's something we talk about often, um, especially in our church. Faith has been the mantra of this church. It's a powerful, it's a powerful, powerful substance. But it's actually, um, it's actually a very ordinary substance. It's something that we use in everyday life. It's a, it's an ordinary substance that has supernatural significance. I mean, the very fact that God would use something so ordinary that we use every single day to unlock His kingdom is extraordinary if you think about it. Like, okay, there's a black hole for you guys. Enjoy that one. Um, The fact that he would use something so simple that you use to get here this morning to unlock his kingdom, that he made it so easily accessible, that's incredible. Um, But faith um, faith is relational trust. Faith is relational trust. You had trust when you got into your car this morning and turned the key that your car would turn on. Right? And okay, who who trusted in their phone this morning to change the time for them so that when you put the alarm in your phone, it would wake you up at the right time? Yeah? Anybody? You have faith. You trust your phone to do what it's supposed to do to wake you up on time. And you made it to second service. Well done. Um You had trust when you sat in that chair that it was going to support your weight. You have a level of relational trust with your, with your husband, with your children, with your friend, with your parents. There is some kind of trust there, even if that trust is, I totally trust you to be late, right? That, that's still faith. That's a relational trust. The only requirement to have faith is that there must be two parts, Okay, faith is an equation. It's you plus something else. It's you plus the chair, you plus your car, you plus your spouse, 
okay? It must require two parts, and I'm, I'm bringing a challenge to us today that I'm, I want us to consider because most of the times, okay, I'm, I'm going to call out the women because that's why I'm here, right? Um, we like to, um, okay, anybody like to, like, you know, you tell your husband what you, he needs to do, and this is my repenting, I'm sorry. Um, and you have an expectation of how it needs to happen, right? How it needs to get done, when it needs to get done, in what manner it needs to get done, when it needs to get done. Y'all, okay, yeah, I got some nods. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And then when he doesn't do it according to your expectations, you fill in the other side of the equation, right? Yes, okay, that is not faith. That is not relational trust. Because even though I trust my husband to keep his word, that doesn't mean I trust him to do it in my time and in my way. I'm sorry. Um, Faith requires a level of vulnerability. It requires you to not have every detail figured out. It requires you to put in your side of the equation and wait and allow them to fill in the other side. Okay, does that make sense? This is why God says, without faith it's impossible to please me. Doesn't that make so much more sense? Because if you do not trust him to fill in his side of the equation, if you spend all of your time filling in both sides, if you don't truly trust him, how could you please him? What level of intimacy could you have with somebody you don't trust? Doesn't doesn't the level of trust affect how intimate you can be with somebody? There's a lot of people that you've put lots of boundaries on because I don't trust you, so this is as far as our relationship goes. Okay? This is why the response to his invitation needs to be faith. It needs to be trust. It needs to be trust. That's my intro. So this is my main point, okay? This is the main point of my message. Um, The level of your faith, the capacity that you have for faith is directly connected to the level of intimacy you share. Okay? I'm going to say that one more time. The level of faith you are capable of is directly connected to the level of intimacy you share. This is why it's vital for us to embrace his full invitation. Because if we embrace part of it, we will only be partially capable of faith. Our faith will go as as far as the boundaries of our relationship. Okay, does that make sense? We need to enter into the full invitation of Christ and the fruit of that revelation, the fruit of understanding him as not only Lord, Friend, but as father and lover, the fruit of that is a life of faith. It's a life of trust, okay? There are, um, if I get into trouble, something happens. Okay, let's say I get stranded on the side of the road. My car breaks down. Um, There are two people I'm going to call, okay? I'm going to call first my husband. And the second, if he doesn't answer, the person I'm going to call is my father, these are, they're both on the front row. These are my um, people that um, 
I share the deepest level of intimacy with that I know can care for my needs. The level of intimacy, intimacy we share um, gives me confidence in what they will do for me. Okay? Some of y'all need to hear that again, okay? My, my level of intimacy with them gives me a confidence of what they will do for me. I know that these are the two men that will drop everything that they are doing and rush to my aid because of the intimacy we share. Do you understand? Do you understand what the Lord will do for you? Okay, I've, I'm so thankful that Taylor shared that those parables. I'm going to pull on them again because I love those parables so much because it says that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that we forsake all for. But then the second part of it is it's like a pearl merchant. Okay, not like the pearl. It's the pearl merchant, which means who's the pearl? You. It means he's forsaken all to obtain you. Do you know that? Do you know what he has done to achieve a relationship with you that he's forsaken everything and that he's asked nothing of you that he's not first done himself? That's good. That, that's really good. Y'all didn't give that enough credit. Um, he will never ask anything of you that he's not already done himself. He says, my kingdom is worth everything you have but I've given everything I have to obtain you. This is a powerful moment. If we don't understand the intimacy, this kind of intimate relationship, we will never trust him to that capacity. There are things in my life, um, my, my life changed when I entered into a deeper intimacy with my husband, okay? Um, when you enter into that kind of intimacy, the way that you process the world will change. And that's a good thing. That's the way that it's designed to be, okay? Growing up, there were lots of things I never worried about. Um, I don't know if y'all had as good a father as I did. I'm sorry. But my father was pretty amazing. And he took care of lots of things that I never thought about, you know, like pay the bills, um, put insurance on my car. He was always the one that was like, you need to put a sticker on your license plate. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't know why I have to do that, but I'm just, you know, doing what he tells me to do. And then when I got married, like, I remember, okay, I just remember my dad trying to teach me, like, you need to know these things. These things are important. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. I, like, I truly didn't care, if I'm honest with you. I'm sorry. I just, I truly didn't care because I've never had to worry about them before. They weren't my problem. And then when I got married, my dad passed all of those problems to my husband. And guess whose problems they are now? My husband pays the insurance on my car. My husband pays our mortgage. My husband does our taxes. My husband does the maintenance on our vehicles. My husband cares for me, okay? There are things in, in this lover relationship, in this um, father-daughter relationship, that just weren't my problem because of the intimacy we shared. Do you know what the Lord has done for you? Do you understand the extent of his, of his invitation? Do you understand what that, the implications of that? Okay? There are things in my marriage that are not my problem. And I don't give them a second thought. 
when you enter into an intimate relationship with the Lord, when he invites you into that, he's now taken responsibility for you. Do you remember in, our, in the message, when he has purchased you as a slave into his household, he's now responsible for your well-being? Which means there are problems that were yours that are no longer your problem. You get that? Do you see what I'm saying? He says, I will provide for your needs. Philippians 4.19, the same God who cares for me will supply all your needs from his riches and glory, from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. You have a financial problem? Not my problem. Seriously, I belong to the Lord. It's not my problem, right? This is what faith looks like. It's not my problem. Um, he heals all your diseases. Psalm 103.3 says he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. You're sick? Not my problem. What can you do about it anyway? You know? <laughs> the Lord is the one who heals, you know? Um, he will guide and direct you. John 14.26 says when the Father sends the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, as my representative... He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. The one who will guide you, teach you, grow you is the Holy Spirit. Okay? He will redeem you. Okay? He has purchased you out of slavery to sin and into his household. And he has purchased back for you everything you've lost. Okay? It says in Galatians 4, 4-7, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. His heir. This is who you are. He's redeemed you. Okay, he's protected you. Psalms 91, 9 through 11. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Anybody get nervous leaving the house? Anybody get nervous on what's going to happen on the road? Anybody, okay, there was a time that I went on a mission trip um, to Juarez, Mexico, and it's, um, it wasn't a great region at the time, and I had many friends that had parents that didn't want them to go um, because of the danger of the village. When I talked to my mother, I have a great parent, I have great parents who said, the Lord will not send you somewhere that he will not protect you. Does that make sense? Um, if he's responsible for my well-being, then how would he lead me somewhere that would cause me harm? Right? He's, if he's called me, he's responsible to protect me. Okay? Not my problem. Right? He will comfort you. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Anybody walk through something alone? Do you realize you don't have to? You're never alone when you've been purchased by the blood of Christ, when you've been brought into his family. You can never be alone. Sorry, introverts. The Lord has far more for you than that.
Okay? He's given you a sound mind. Anybody struggle with their thoughts to get them all and line up in the right way? To get everything in order and everything in its place? Chaos seems to ensue, but God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind in 2 Timothy. These are things, these are problems that we carry because, um, because we like to fill in both sides of the equation. We've learned to depend upon ourselves because we're the only one who truly cares for us. That's why we need the full revelation of his love because that's simply not true. If we cannot move past this, this position of self-dependence, of self-reliance, and learn, that the, learn the intimacy of the Holy Spirit, learn to rest in a position where I don't have to worry about problems that no longer belong to me because I belong to the Father. Because I belong to him, these aren't my problems. They're things that he cares for. If we can't get to that position, we will walk in fear for the rest of our life, and we will never truly walk in the fullness of what he's called us to. This is so important, but understand that this only comes, this kind of faith sounds impossible. It sounds um, irresponsible, you know, like to just like flippantly not worry about things. (laughs) It sounds irresponsible. Understand that it only comes with the full revelation of his invitation. It only comes with that deeper level of intimacy. So if you're not there, I'm not asking you to flippantly disregard, disregard all of these problems. What I am asking you to do is, if you still struggle with these problems, you need to pursue him deeper. You need to understand he's invited you to more than this. Because the rest and the peace that I found in Jesus is worth far more. It's worth so much. And we need to pursue this. Realize that faith comes by hearing Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, okay? It doesn't come by reading. It doesn't come from me reading all these verses to you and now you have faith. Faith can only happen in the context of relationship. Now the reason we read and the reason I teach and the reason we do this is we're pursuing the person of God. We want to know who he is. The only way to get to know him is to pursue him, to get into his word, to spend time in prayer and to worship. So we're pursuing it. So we're reading, but we're doing it with the intention of pursuing the person of God. Because when we pursue the person of God, then he makes his revelation, his invitation obvious to you. He speaks it to you himself. And that's when there's an invitation, okay? The only person who could propose for Taylor is Taylor, okay? If y'all came to me saying, Taylor wants to marry you, say, well, that's nice. But I'll believe it when he says it, right? You'll believe it. You will have faith. You will believe it when he says it. That's why we get in the word. That's why we pursue him, okay? I don't know if I'm talking longer or if I'm going... This time's going faster. But um, um, I'm, I'm going to get on a soap, soapbox for a minute, if that's okay. Um, mostly because I see something that's creeping into the church that has the potential to sabotage this process. And I just want to recalibrate together um, towards this purpose of intimacy, faith, a life with God, a not-my-problem mentality, okay? Um, And it's something that is, um, 
coming up in our society that at its foundation, I believe is healthy, and I want that to be um, completely clear. At, at its foundation, I think it's good. But every move of society has the opportunity to um, sway too far to the right or the left, right? It has the opportunity to hit one ditch or the other, and let's just, let's not pretend like any ditch is a good thing, right? Um, so let's stay out of the ditches, and that's my heart today, okay, is to not fall into the ditches. Um, the movement that I see coming is, is this movement of self-care. Again, again, it's at, the, at the foundation, it's a good thing because the purpose, the value, the message of it is you matter. Okay, you're a pearl. You matter. This is a message Jesus came to bring. You matter and you're worthy of health and life and of, to be cared for. You're worthy to be cared for. Okay, this is a true and good message. However, when self-care goes to the extreme, it has two, um, two sides of a coin that are sabotage. Okay, it, it, will, it will bring you from self-care into self-sabotage. Okay, and one of them is this, and it's what I mentioned earlier, when care depends upon you, you limit yourself to the care you are capable of providing. Um, understand 1 Peter 4, 6 through 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties onto him because he cares for you. It's not your job to care for you. Okay? It's not your job to put all the pieces together. You belong to the Father. You belong to your lover. And it's his job to care for you. Okay? Philippians um, 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Understand, the peace of God surpasses understanding. The care you are capable of providing depends on understanding. And is it any wonder in a world full of information that we have more access to information, we are more connected than we've ever been, um, is it any wonder that the result is anger, um, bitterness, confusion, anxiety, depression? Because how can you possibly bring understanding to the chaos that's ensuing around us? And we have far more access to it than we've ever had. And how can you possibly bring understanding to the, even your small world around you, to understand the inner workings of every person you've ever interacted with? That sounds terrifying. Um, but when, when you can't make sense of why they would do that, why would they do that? If you don't bring understanding to the, to the um, situation, your only response, that the only place you can turn to is anger and bitterness. That ever produce life for you? And what began as self-care, I'm going to take care of my heart, turns into self-sabotage because now you're harboring anger and bitterness. Does that make sense? The peace of God surpasses understanding. It doesn't need to make sense of what they did to set you free from it. It doesn't need to make sense 
of this world in order to give you peace that there's still a God on the throne and there's no need to fear. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, right? Does that make sense? So if we, if we stay in a position of self-care, um, we will limit what we, the care that we're capable of receiving because we can only give to ourselves so much, okay? This is the first side of the coin, but the second side of the coin is that what I've seen happen is that um, people have gone, have used self-care, and they have um, put limitations on the lordship of Christ. They've put boundaries around what they will allow the Lord to tell them. Um, what I, when I see this happening is when a healthy boundary turns into an inner vow. And, and I've seen it happen in the church. Um, I've seen it happen outside the church. I've seen it happen just in different places. And I don't have a voice to speak into it. So sorry, you get my voice. Um, a healthy boundary is a good thing. And I will, I will never tell you not to lay one because the purpose of a healthy boundary is to protect your heart, to keep you in a position of, of um, the Lord's heart, to keep you wrapped in him, um, and to equip you to do what he's led you to do, to equip you to love, to equip you to stay, to equip you to go, to equip you to hear, to equip you to speak. That's the purpose of a healthy boundary. The healthy boundary is, is to equip you to do what God has called you to do. But what I've seen is when, like, especially when I can't make sense of the situation, I can't bring understanding, I've seen it turn into an inner vow, and you've not made that vow to yourself. You've not made that vow to a person. You've made it to the Lord, and you've told him what you will and will not do, what you will and will not say, where you will and will not go, where you will and will not stay, You've made that boundary to the Lord, and the issue I see with it is you are conditioning yourself to deny Christ. And in that position, you are in serious danger of sabotaging your whole eternity. Do you see what I'm saying? I know this is a heavy message, but I'm, I'm passionate about it, and, and I need to say it, and I need to say it because this is something I did. I've done this. I was um, dangerously close to sabotaging my whole future. My whole future. I wouldn't be here today if the Lord had not stepped in. And I'm so thankful for him. But I got to a point in my, my walk with the Lord where he, the Lord asked me to do something. And at first I was like, yeah, that sounds good. And then I realized um, I didn't want to. And I realized that my will began to clash with his will. And in the name of self-care, I chose my will. And I literally said to him, okay, yeah, you can do whatever you want to. I'm going to do whatever I want to. Sounds real mature, right? Um, I said this to him. And it almost cost me so much. It almost cost me my whole family, my whole future. I wouldn't be here. If, I, if the Lord hadn't done something, because thank the Lord, when I said, do your thing, I'll do mine, he did his thing. I have to tell you about the goodness of God. Because in this position where I had denied him, I had simply told him, no, your will doesn't align with my will. I don't want to do your thing. 
this is the season of my life where he revealed himself to me as lover. In that season, in the season of my denial, he revealed himself as lover. And I fell head over heels passionately, stupidly, crazy in love with Jesus. And he revealed himself to me in a new way than I had ever encountered him before. And then, at exactly the right time, he demonstrated to me his sovereignty. And he humbled me in the most perfect way. And he gave me that invitation a second time to follow him where I didn't want to go. And this time, I said yes, passionately. My will hadn't changed. It still clashed with his will, but what did change is this. I had encountered a new level of intimacy with him. I trusted him in a way I didn't trust him before. And for me, the only thing that mattered was that I had him. My heart had changed so much that I would willingly lay down my desires just to be with him. I just want you. And I resolved in this season of my life that I want everything that comes from the Father's hand. And I want nothing that doesn't. And it has changed my whole life. The fact that he developed that in me. And when I got to that point in my life, when the Lord brought me there, he unlocked everything I desired. Everything I desired. It was the most beautiful Beautiful process of the Lord reserving me, restoring me to himself. And this is what I learned in the process. I want to share this with you. Um, I, in this season, I asked God, what's your love language? And my notes are all out of order now. This is what he <laughs> shared with me. Um, John fourteen fifteen said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I was like, are you, okay, are you sure that's your, like, obedience? That's your love language? It's not like quality time. Um, obedience. Obedience is, is my love language. Well, why is obedience your love language, Lord? Like, why that? Um, and he said to me, what's the one thing that you can give me that nobody else can? What's the one thing you can give me that nobody else can? Okay, if he needs a car and you don't give him a car, he can find it somewhere else. <laughs> okay? If, if there's a financial need and you don't obey and, and give, the Lord will provide. You know, he's not dependent upon you in those areas. But what's the one thing that you can give? And there's one area of your life that he has drawn a boundary, something that he has given you that he will not take nor will he infringe upon. He will not cross that boundary, and that is your free will. Your free will was a gift he gave to you. And remember, love cannot happen without choice. So this is the one area of your life where he has no permission past the one, what you give him. Okay, does that make sense? Obedience is saying, not my will but yours be done. It's taking your will, your free will, the free gift he gave you that only you could give back to him to say, not my will, 
be yours, be done. And when we walk in obedience, it is the greatest act of love we could do for him. That's why it's his love language. Okay, he wants your heart. This is so important. This is such a, such a vital part of this, of this coin because, okay, it, in one of the verses um, I talked about, um, if, if you continue on, I, th- I talked about it two weeks ago. It says, um, we've been made his heirs. We have his inheritance, and we will share in his glory. That sounds pretty good, right? But then it says, but if we want to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Yay! Everybody cheered, right? Let's all share in his suffering. Um, if we do not understand and, and engage in the Lord, even in the hard things, the times where we're laying down our will, the times where things um, look scary, you know, um, if we don't engage with him on that level, okay, let me back up. I'm trying to figure out how to communicate this well. My husband and I share glory. When, when my husband rejoices, I rejoice. When he has a victory, I have a victory. But understand that when he suffers, I suffer. The reason we must share in his glory and in his suffering is because that's what lovers do. Okay? That's what lovers do. I've seen few people make it past the position of self-care, of self-preservation, of I see people that have entered into faith with Christ because it's what's best for them. Okay, does that make sense? Um, and, and they never move past that into a position of love, falling in love with Jesus. And I, I rarely see them move past the place of this is what I need to what do you need? What do you want to do? How do you want to move? This is how we access that by by sharing in both his glory and his suffering if we can't get past the position of of um, meeting our individual needs of self-care of of caring for ourselves if we can't get to a position of faith we can never move to that level of what are you doing where are you moving how are you working in that place there will be hard times he will ask you to do hard things like love your enemy, forgive, maybe go someplace that's dangerous, maybe go on a Philippines trip when you don't have the money. He will ask you to do hard things. He will ask you to do scary things, but this is where you encounter the glory of God. This is where we see his kingdom built. This is where we expand his kingdom. We need to move from a place of worry and confusion, and anxiety, and depression. We need to move into a position of understanding the love he has for us, that revelation of his goodness, to a place of peace, understanding that he cares for you, 
so that we can move past that and into a position of working for the kingdom of God, of seeing what the Lord wants to do in Nuevo County, in your workplace, in your homes, and begin to partner with him in what he wants to do. That's how you get there. What are your dreams? What's your vision? How are you moving? What are you doing? That's how we get there. Does that make sense? Okay. That's my message. I'm going to pray over you, and then I'm going to invite my husband up. Um, So if you pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you have laid down everything for me. How could I hold anything back? How could I see your cross in the suffering that you endured and not offer everything? How could I hold something back in the name of self-care when you held nothing back for people who hated you? Lord, I pray that you would bring us to a new level of vulnerability, that you would reveal yourself and your intentions toward us anew, and that we would fall in love with you in a new, exciting, incredible way. And I pray, Lord, that that love, that intimacy, would change our lives forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed the message. If you're looking to see us in person or online, we are on our YouTube channel and our Facebook page, Resonate Church, or live in person every week, Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. You can also visit our website, resonline.org, to find us there. Remember, let's reach the world from Nuego and make it hard to go to hell from Michigan.